somewhere back in the early part of the country were related. We don't know where, but... <laughs> and uh, Steve and I both uh, graduated from the same high school, and that was in Turlock, uh, a few years apart. So he's a little bit younger than I am. But uh, he's also been a senior pastor for a number of years. He has been a senior pastor in Turlock and also down in Southern California. Right now he's working with the Evangelical Free Church in an area of church planting. He's also uh, working with a worldwide organization called Church um, Assistant uh, Ministries, in which case he goes over to Europe, uh, the Iron Curtain countries like Czechoslovakia and some of the other countries, and and uh, he'll probably be doing that next year. Uh, so he's a busy man. But uh, this morning, uh, Steve is going to give us a word. And if we can uh, allow him to uh, preach to us this morning, we're honored to have him this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Cousin Oren. It's, uh, it's so good to uh, be with you, and uh, it's a, a real honor to open the Word of God with you today. You know, we owe him everything as we've been talking about it and singing about it and reading in the scriptures about it today, and so I'm just very grateful for the opportunity to share with you as, as one uh, sinner to a, a group of people who have been saved through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Not many people get a coughing fit over communion bread, but I did. It's such a pleasure and privilege to be serving the Lord, and in these last uh, few years to do that internationally as well. Um, We are watching God in many ways in places around the world, multiplying his church with with, uh, an amazing uh, speed as people are coming to to know Jesus Christ. We've been in the Philippines uh, over the past 14 years or so. And in the Philippines, you might remember two years ago, this month now, November, um, Super Typhoon Haiyan came through the country. And it swept through the very area where we had been planting churches, training people and coaching people in the planting of churches uh, for three years. And uh, after three years, that storm came in and in some places literally wiped out the cities. Um, In some places, in one place where we had a church plant underway, 10 meters of water came in in the storm surge, 30 feet. 
and almost everything was underwater. And today, that church at which I was privileged to speak a few months later, about six months later, is uh, a couple hundred people strong. And most of the people there are new believers because this is the least evangelized part of that country. And God used a terrible thing to get the people's attention and to direct their attention to Jesus through the church and through its acts of love and service. And now where there was one church five years ago, there are over 25 churches in that little part of the province of Eastern Samar. And uh, God is at work. And part of what I do is, uh, in speaking to churches here is to remind people that the same God that accomplishes that in other countries and is multiplying the church in places around the world can also multiply the church in America. Uh, Oren mentioned uh, Turlock. That's where we graduated from high school about three years apart. Um, and that city is known as the most church city in America. Uh, and if you go around that town, and if I tell them what I do for my work, I help start new churches, well, you won't have to start one here in Turlock. It's the most church city in America. And do you know that the statistics are that on any given Sunday in Turlock, there are about eight people in evangelical Bible-believing churches in that out of 100. Eight percent. We've got 92 percent to go. And if we were to fill all the churches in town up and had them full twice every Sunday, huh? we wouldn't even begin to reach the people that need the Lord Jesus Christ in that town. That statistic, by the way, was from 1930, when Turlock was a tiny little town. And uh, so we just need to see the church come alive. And I love the passage that I'm going to be, I, I just want to read it, Psalm 119. Not the whole thing. I was always impressed as a kid to come across this uh, chapter, this psalm, to see there's 176 verses. But I would like to read starting in verse 97. This is a psalm in which the psalm writer writes about his love for God's Word. And in almost every verse of the psalm, he mentions the Word of God. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. <clears throat> 
for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. When I was a student in college a few years ago, I spent a lot of Sunday mornings feeling guilty for not going to church. I had been raised in a family that attended church regularly. My roommate and my friends didn't know it, that I was feeling guilty, that is, because I never talked about the things of God with any of them. But I felt guilty, and it didn't help when I went home and my mom would ask me if I was going to church, or where are you going to church? And I had to tell her the truth. That guilt of being disconnected from, the God, from God and the things of God drove me at times when I was alone to try and read my Bible. It was hard. I'd pull it out of my desk drawer and I'd start reading it. But it felt like a hard task. I found the Bible was not very compelling to me and it was hard to understand. So after trying... Another time, I closed it and put it back in the drawer, and it stayed there for long periods of time. What was wrong? I was a Christian. When I was in the eighth grade, I went forward at a Billy Graham meeting of all things. I had the pedigree of being a Christian. And I prayed that prayer when Billy Graham said, pray with me, the sinner's prayer. And I truly meant it. I truly recognized my sin. I truly recognized that Jesus had died for me on the cross. I truly recognized that I needed him to save me from my sin and from hell. And I believed it. But... For nine years, after I did that, I still could not get into the Bible like I knew I should. I tried, but I couldn't. And now I'm 22 years old. And in February 1967, I suddenly found that old Bible the most interesting book of any that I could read. I would read it and even study it for long periods of time. I even started to memorize parts of it. You could say that I had suddenly started to love that book. What made the difference? Why, until February 1967, had the Bible not been very important to me? A friend, he was a new friend, had led me to believe and respond 
to the message of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, are you a Christian, Steve? And I said, yes. He asked me, are you enjoying the Christian life? And I said, I don't have a Christian life. And he shared with me these verses. I beg you, therefore, brothers. That's the brothers that means brothers and sisters. I beg you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, And he explained to me that day that to be a living sacrifice on the altar of God was to to simply say to the Lord, Lord, from now on, I am not running things anymore. It is you. From now on, you are the Lord of my life. And like at the Billy Graham meeting when I meant that prayer, I prayed a prayer acknowledging the authority of God in my life that day. And I was changed. That's why that morning, if I'd have tried to read the Bible, I couldn't have. That afternoon, I tried to read the Bible and I loved it. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, I was a Christian, but I wasn't walking with God. I was a Christian, but I didn't know how to walk with God. Nobody had ever come into my life and said, Let me help you. Let me walk with you. Let me encourage you. Let me teach you the the basics of the Christian life. We call that discipleship. But no one ever did that for me. No one in, in my church ever said, Steve, how are you doing as a Christian? Could I help you? But now, I had somebody doing that. And things began to change. I was no longer like that natural person who could not understand the things of the Spirit of God. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 proved accurate in my experience. I was suddenly able to understand what God's Word was saying to me, and I began to love what I was reading. And when I was later reading the Psalms, I came across today's text. And I immediately identified with it. Oh, how I love your law. In these uh, verses, it's almost, as in almost every verse in the psalm, as I said, it refers to the word of God in almost all the verses. And this stanza alone, he uses these synonyms for the Bible. The law, 
commandment, the testimonies, the precept, the word, the words, and rules. This psalm is about God's word in all of its forms and in all of its purposes. So in this stanza, he starts out with that expression, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist declares his love for the Bible. He's declaring that he loves what God says. He loves it so much that he meditates on it all day long. That means practically. He's talking about that what he's read in the Bible, perhaps that day or that morning, he thinks about all day long. And as he thinks about it, it begins to change his perspective on what life is. It it, it changes his perspective on how to respond to the situations and challenges that come our way. He begins to think God's thoughts. I was talking to a young man this last week. He's in our church and he really has a long way to go to kind of figure out some of the basic things about life. But I, I started a couple weeks ago just to say, let's read these passage, these verses of Scripture. I mean, <clears throat> would you read them several times this week? And I, I gave him a little notebook, and I said, just write down what you think about them as you read them, and, and how you feel, and what questions you might have. And you know, he did it. And he was at work the other day, and he drives a delivery truck, and uh, he was driving along on a rural road out in our area, in the Turlock area, and he uh, was passed by one of those armored bank car trucks, you know, that has all the money in it. Um, and that, that truck found that he was passing in an unsafe way, and so he tried to cut back in in front of my friend, and he clipped his mirror on the truck. And uh, a little, uh, the guy kept going, but uh, he called ahead, and they actually found the guy, and he was able to talk to him. And he said, you know what? While I was talking to him, the scriptures that I have been reading this week came back to my mind. And so I found that I was not as angry as I usually am. And I didn't say the words that I usually say. The word of God is wonderful to the extent that it's worth thinking about after you finish the devotional time. And allowing the words of God to run back through our minds. So this psalmist says, Oh, I love thy law, your law. It is my meditation all the day. He says, Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. Now that is something. The impact of the Word of God 
is that he says it gives him a great edge over his enemies. He's wiser than they are. Does someone oppose you and what's important to you? You have a massive advantage over them if you're a person of the word. Assuming you're living as a Christian, and they aren't. You know the secrets of life that they do not know. You know how to respond to mistreatment. How to rely upon the Lord for his help when you feel helpless. How to forgive in the secret of loving and serving your enemies. You have the promise of God. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you have the help of God that brings victory out of seeming defeat. Paul knew about this when he wrote in prison about those guys that were proclaiming the word because they were kind of in competition with him. You remember those? He was, um, he was in prison and they wanted to show that they were better than he was. And the Lord was using their word. The, uh, the apostle uh, says in Philippians 1, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard, he was in Rome, and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. They were trying to enhance their reputation In fact, what they were doing was showing how powerful the Word of God is. And they were enhancing God's reputation. And so he rejoiced. The impact of the Word of God gives us a great edge over our enemies. And then verse 99, I like to say that. Verse 99 in our text today. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Because we learn what God declares about what is true, we have a big advantage over our teachers. Do we have any students here? You can know more than your teachers and be more understanding about life. We have teachers here. You better be in the Word of God so you can keep ahead of those Christian students. It's great to know more about life, to have a better perspective and understanding of life than those who are supposed to be teaching me. By the way, That doesn't mean that those people can't teach us stuff. You still have to study the math and the literature and the English or the Spanish or the history to gain those skills. But when you do, in the end, you will understand how all of this fits together in a way that someone who is is a, a stranger to the Scriptures cannot. And then in verse 100... I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Back when I was reading this the first time, I was thinking of other people in that description, the aged. 
Now I see myself in that description. But isn't it something to have a young person be able to have a better handle of life than those who are more experienced? I love working with young young men particularly and discipling and sometimes training and mentoring them because God has his hand upon them in calling them to some, some ministry uh, um, experience in their life. The young people who know the word of God have a great advantage over those who are more experienced because they know how God works and they know what's real and what's not. One of the enjoyable things in in life, as I say, is to work with young people, young leaders. I teach them and mentor them and coach them, often one-on-one, about life and ministry. I do this as a a person uh, who's on the staff of this church assistance ministry that Oren mentioned. And uh, until recently, a couple years ago, I was coaching regularly a, a young man named Christopher, coaching and mentoring. He was in the process, not of becoming a leader at that time, He was in the process of becoming a believer, but he thought that he was, and he showed signs of being a a young leader, and and so at age 19, he started his first nonprofit organization and was the leader of that in our community, a charitable organization, and so I said, Christopher, would you like to have somebody kind of walk with you and talk with you about leadership and how to develop as a leader. And he said, sure. One year later, he became a Christian. After we had been studying, talking about the scriptures and about life. And he became a Christian. And in the process of that, he became a growing Christian. And he became a leader of one of the little groups in our church we call villages where, where um, people get together to, to learn life and to be discipled and so forth. And he became a teacher of people much older than he was. And he did it very effectively. Today he's at Dallas Seminary studying to be a leader in God's church. These realities are not only true for Christopher, but for others as well. For for your children, your grandchildren. And it is worth it to spend time with them in a relationship in which you teach and talk about and discuss the things of God and God's Word so that they too will have the edge even on their teachers and those who are more experienced than they are. But you know what? This this advantage of knowing the Word of God 
is something that not only happens individually, but it can be something that can take place in a whole church. Um, and the church working together. And you find that as a church, you can uh, uh, experience the advantage of knowing what God knows. When I was a young pastor, uh, we were building our first church building. It was a church plant, and so we had a long process of uh, building a, a church building in a small town up near Clear Lake. And uh, we hired a contractor to do the main structural building, the big structure part, and then we were going to do it ourselves to finish it. As we got the money, we were going to uh, finish out the building and because uh, we had some people that could do that. So um, this guy put up some of the infrastructure, the big structure of the building, and uh, he got into financial trouble, and he started to uh, fail to pay his bills, to pay the suppliers for the material that we, built, we used on the building. And uh, one day I was in my front yard doing some cutting of a tree that had fallen over in the wind, and, and I was cutting on it, and a car, uh, uh, like a sheriff's car came up and handed me a summons and said, you're being sued. And I said, oh, it, it was me and the church, because we hadn't done the things we could have done to protect ourselves as the owners of the project. We were as liable as the contractor for the debts that he had incurred. And those, one of those suppliers was suing us. And so I'm thinking, what do we do? $15,000 in the 80s. It's a lot more than 15000 now, but it was $15,000. And we had $15,000 in our bank account to do the next phase of the building. So what do we do? We, in effect, had become a co-signer for the loans of that contractor. And so uh, I'm always trying to read Scripture, and I was reading in Proverbs, and I came across chapter 6 of Proverbs. It says, my son, if you, you have put up security for your neighbor, you have given your pledge for a stranger, that means that you've, uh, you've uh, taken on the debt of someone else. If you've done this, if you're snared by the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourselves, self, for you have come into the hand of your neighbor Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. In other words, get out from under it as quickly and as, as you can. If you can talk them into it, talk them into it. We gathered the church, the little fledgling young church membership together. We were in a house 
And I remember reading this passage to those people, and after reading this passage, I, I, I suggested that maybe God, what God wanted us to do was to pay off those suppliers. In other words, to pay a second time for the same material that we'd already paid for. And as we talked about it and saw what God's Word said, we made that unanimous decision that night. We decided to pay off the supplier and get out from under the lawsuit. And the interesting uh, publicity that that would have brought to the Church of Jesus Christ in that area. And we did that. You know... They agreed with me. They did it. And about a few weeks later, I don't know exactly how long, but it wasn't very long later, I got a phone call. And it was from a man who had just started attending our church. And he said to me, Steve, Pastor, I have uh, some diamonds that I'd like to give to the church for the building project. He knew, he didn't know anything about what we had just done. I drove out to his house about five miles as quickly as anybody could get there. I sat down at his table. He had a little bank bag full of diamonds. He poured them out on the table. They looked beautiful. Well, they were diamonds. They weren't the best in the world. But I went into the diamond selling business. And I found out who... Or sold diamonds for Christian organizations and, and found a buyer and got a check for $15,000. But we also had made another decision when we as a church decided to pay the, the debt off. We had said, we're going to go and invite the contractor back to finish some of the work that only he could do. But we're going to make it clear to him he doesn't owe us any money at all. We went and invited that contractor back. He finally decided to come and he did some more of the work that we needed. And the church had committed to hosting him and his wife. He doesn't have any employees anymore and his nephews, two nephews, and they came, and they were hosted, and they were fed for multiple weeks by the church. We didn't request any money from him, but what happened was that the testimony of the people of the church got their attention about the Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious gospel. And that contractor, after a few weeks, made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. His wife renewed a a childhood faith in the Lord. And it was worth it to spend that $15,000 extra. It was worth it to trust God. It was worth it to do that as a congregation and see God do what only God can do in transforming lives. Psalm 119, 101. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. 
Oh, if we had time to talk about how God saves us from the disaster of sin. But look at the last two verses. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Sweeter than strawberry shortcake. Sweeter than Rocky Road ice cream. I'm talking about the things I really like. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. In verse 103... We get the pleasure of the Word of God. The pleasure is that we get to experience the hand of God on our lives in ways that people outside of Christ have no understanding and no knowledge about. The protection of the Word of God gives us understanding that causes us to begin to hate the false ways. There's a, uh, a gambling place in our town. You know, the, the poker club. And One of the guys I was working with, and he was moving forward with the Lord, decided he needed to get some extra money, and so he put his check into to, uh, gambling. And he lost it. And then since he lost it, when the next check came, he decided he's going to win this time, and he lost it. I hate that poker club. I hate what they're doing to the lives of people and to their families. And I think that I hate it so much because of what the Lord has said in his word. Let's trust him. For our money needs. Let's trust him for our family relational needs. Let's ask him to change the circumstances if they need changing or to help us to live through the circumstances if it's his will that we are to live through those things. He gives us pleasure. He gives us protection. Oh, how I love the Lord. Oh, how I love his word. Sometimes it's easy to be in a church like this and you teach the word. I love the Sunday school or whatever you call the group that met back there. I love the the honoring of God's word that is so obvious here. But sometimes that can even get old and we lose our love for it. May God today, if If it's necessary for you, renew your love for God's word. And may it be something you not only do on Sundays and at the Bible study time or whatever else you have, but you do it with him each day, with your spouse, with your family, by yourself. And you begin to take the word of God in as a love letter from the Lord to you so that we will be able to echo with the psalm uh, with the psalmist oh how i love
your word. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for encouraging us today. Thank you for helping us to think about the advantages of being God's word followers of people who are molded and who think like you do because you've given us the word of God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.